listening to this week's Lefevre CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website, lefevrecfc.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash lefevrecfc. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So I'm going to read from Matthew 5, the Beatitudes 5 to 12. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's the Beatitudes, that's where we're, we're starting our series on living in the kingdom. Um, and they're amazing, amazing verses, um, amazing passages. And we're going to, over this next um, month or so, be looking at the um, living in the kingdom and starting with the sermon, or li- working through the Sermon on the Mount and some of those passages and some of the principles that come out from basically Matthew 5, 6, 7, I think it finishes somewhere there. So if you want to read along, feel free to read those um, and just study that because they were, that's the passages that we're going to be basing uh, this next couple of months on as we go through. Talking about the blessed kingdom. You know that we live in a blessed kingdom. And we're going to get to those Beatitudes a little bit later on and just unpack them a little bit. Um, You could do a sermon on each one of them. There's eight of them and you could spend a whole heap of time looking at each one, but we're just doing a quick, quick glimpse of them. Um, But the blessed kingdom. So is the kingdom that we live in, is it present or is it future? Because, um, and the answer is yes. It is both present and it has come, but it is also there is a future hope. Um, it has been fulfilled, but it hasn't been consummated. It's now and not yet. Um, and if you read through Matthew 12 and Matthew, or, and Matthew and Luke 17, you can see those passages and they are clear. Jesus is clear in saying the kingdom has come. But then in Luke 19, Jesus is also very clear that the kingdom is in the future. So we're left in this state that yes, the kingdom has come, but obviously there's this hope of what is yet to come. And I think we can, you look around and you look at the world and you think your kingdom has come. I see so much goodness. I see so many things that are done, but there's also sickness. There's also sorrow. There's still suffering. There's still pain that we live with. So we live with this tension, but we do live in a kingdom that has come. And here's some things, parts of it that have come. And I think I've grabbed these from John Piper. I didn't write, reference it. So, um, I'll just, these are not mine, I've taken them from somewhere, but these are some of the things that we can expect because we live in this kingdom that has already come, and this is all introduction and we're going to get to the Beatitudes in, in a minute. The king has dealt with sin once and for all 
in the sacrifice of himself. That sin has been dealt with. That has come. He's dealt with that for us. Isn't that awesome? The king sits at the father's right hand and reigns now until his enemies are under his feet. So Jesus, as we sang, he rules, he reigns. Jesus does reign in kingdom at the right hand of the father in a position of power. This is all to give us confidence of the kingdom that has come and what we can expect from the kingdom. The king's righteousness is now already ours by faith that his righteousness is ours by faith already it's not something to come in the future the king's spirit is now readily already dwelling in us that the spirit of God that the king said that he would send dwells within you that's amazing that's breathtaking really to think about the spirit of God the spirit of Christ actually dwells within us because Jesus sent his spirit already The king's holiness is now already being produced in us. The holiness of God is being produced in you. The king's joy and peace has already been given to us. His joy and his peace has already been given to us. And I don't always live in that place of joy or peace. Um, But when I'm not in the position of joy and when I'm not in peace, I need to be reminded that they've already been given to me. And if I'm not walking in them, um, it's not that they're not mine. I haven't actually, they're not there available to me. I actually need to take hold of them and get a, a reminder of actually, God, your joy and your peace have already been given to me to live in. The king's victory over Satan is now already ours as we use the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. The victory over Satan is ours. That we don't, we don't have to live under the oppression of the devil and the demonic forces and evil spirits. So that means as we use the sword of the Spirit, as we rise in now and stand and resist the devil, he will flee. But there is still a demonic force and the evil spirits that are at work today. And I mentioned that a bit last week, that we're not living in peace times, we're living in war times, and the, the principalities and powers are at work to just to help us try and take a comfortable position, to think, oh, everything's okay to keep us from the, our dependence on God. But Satan, some people are terrorized and they live in a place of terror because of demonic forces and evil spirits. But we, as believers, we have the victory, so we don't have to live in that space. The kingdom's power to witness are now already available to us. That the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses and to evangelize and to share faith and to speak the truths of God are available to us and the king's gift the gift of the spirit is already available for ministry so as we do ministry as we we pray for others as we step out and be ambassadors and hands and his feet that the gift of the holy spirit for ministry is there with us already so this the kingdom has come there's so much of the kingdom that is there for us so living in the kingdom is a an amazing place to be it's a radical place to be It's a place of security and confidence because Jesus rules and we can live in that space. And so much of what he has achieved for us, just as I've outlined there, is is amazing. If if you want to take those and think about them, they are life-transforming statements and radical statements if we apply them to every aspect of of our lives. So the gospel of the kingdom, that's the way of introduction. This gospel of the kingdom, this blessed kingdom that we live in is so much what Jesus preached about. 
And quite often we think, oh, Jesus preached about personal salvation. And yeah, there is a, a personal aspect of following Christ and our personal belief in Jesus Christ. But so often what he talked about was an ushering into a kingdom and ushering into his kingdom and being part of that kingdom. In preparation for the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is setting it up with I'm talking about the kingdom here. The whole Sermon of the Mount is living in the kingdom. It says that, yeah, Matthew 23, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom is good news and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So he was coming with this good news message of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. They're both the same thing that are available that we are ushered into and are part of we are part of that kingdom so the question is are we living as though we've been ushered into the kingdom or have we settled or are we living in that place when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus Nicodemus talked about how he wanted salvation he wanted eternal life and he comes to Jesus and Jesus has this interaction with him and in the interaction of Jesus talking about him being born again and um and receiving eternal life it was actually this born-again experience was so that Nicodemus could then see the kingdom or he could enter into the kingdom. And I trust all of us looking around, I think I know all of you and I know you've all confessed faith and you're believers in Christ. But I want to challenge us today to be inspired to live as kingdom citizens. So this, the Beatitudes... This upside-down world, as you read them, you're saying, what is all of this about? It's different to what the world says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because they will see God or inherit the kingdom. But there's this blessing for those who are poor in spirit. The poor are not blessed. The poor are cursed in some countries. The poor are the ones who are looked down on. But Jesus says, no, the poor in spirit, those who are... There's a, it's an upside-down, topsy-turvy way of thinking. Let's have a, so we look through these Beatitudes. Um, really, the Sermon on the Mount starts with these, and as we look through them a bit, you're really, it's setting up and setting us a picture of what it is and the characteristics of the kingdom, of people, of citizens of the kingdom. And I probably, before I actually was doing my preparation for, for today, I actually probably saw them as different types of people, as, or, you're the peacemaker and you're the one who shows mercy and you're this but actually they are the characteristics of a of, of a citizen of heaven as of, of each one of us they are for each one of us to be expressing that as we become Christians there's this radical new relationship with God and as we unpack them there's some this radical new relationship with God that comes out of them and that we are transitioned into something so different that as we believe Christ and trust in him and as we live in this kingdom that we're living in this new relationship we have with God in such a special way in such a a different way to the way that the world operates so let's have a look at it we're going to look at the first four I'm going to break them into two two categories and as I went through this I looked at different things and Tim Keller breaks them into two groups the first four and the second four and he breaks the first four and says basically the first four and this is how we'll look at them today is they are how we enter 
into the kingdom. It's basically how we become a citizen. And then the second four are the amazing new life that is ours as we live in the kingdom. So it says, so how do we enter? So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom people realize that the problem is beyond them. That the position of being poor in spirit is a position of saying, I'm going to put my pride aside. I can't fix my own problems. I can't sort this out myself. It's a position of saying, recognizing I am poor spiritually. I can't do this myself. That God, this thing with you is beyond my ability. And they say, I have it. They recognize their need for God. I think that's a challenge for all of us. And even as we indicated last week, as we were going through that, as a leadership team, going through the book called Lead, so much of what he talks about there is actually our recognition of our need for God, the humility and being, taking a position of humility and being humble and saying, and, and dependence on God. Not on my achievements or my activity or what I do, but actually saying, man, I'm, I'm poor. And God, I need you. This is beyond me. I can't fix this myself. And that is the position of entry into the kingdom. Unless we come to that place of saying, I can't do this myself and a need for God, you actually can't be a citizen of heaven. But there's a blessing for those who are willing to say, humble themselves and say, yeah, I'm in need. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The mourning is to say, the mourning over our sin, to being sorrowful and say, well, like, like this sin is, it, it is. Sin is my problem. Recognizing and calling what it is. Sin is a problem. My brokenness is a problem. And I'm in trouble. How often do we mourn over our, our sin? Not in a way that beats ourselves up, because I know I'm talking to a predominantly or a group of believers here. But how do, we, how do we mourn over our sin, over our brokenness? Do we, or are we just sort of happy to live with it, happy to carry it on? But we're realizing that we're mourning over our sin, not in a way of beating ourselves up, but realizing, man, I can't do anything about this. Sin is my problem. And we carry that, and the grief that, that we carry with that. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth kingdom people they say well the problem is me and turn to God a meekness is no, I'm, I'm strong I can fix this I can do this myself it's the op- sorry meekness is the opposite of that meekness is actually saying taking a position of saying well I can't do this myself I can't fix this myself I'm going to humble myself and turn to God so blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. How meek are we? Meek sounds like weak, so I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to be told that I'm weak, but when I hear you hear the word meek, you hear sometimes you hear weak. But Jesus was meek, and he wasn't weak. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Being able to, meekness is almost that, like, yeah, content with who I am, and meekness is another thing of saying, well, I, I know where I'm at, I know this is it, but 
but I can't do it and I need God. I'm willing to turn to him and turn, turn to God and I'm going to take my striving and my achieving out and say, God, I need you to do this. This is how we enter into the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Kingdom people surrender to God. So can't do this myself. Mourn over our sin. Say, I'll turn to God. But then there needs to come a point where we actually are surrendered to Jesus. We can see all of those things. But actually the point of surrender as well is essential for entry into the kingdom. Because we can mourn over our sin and say, oh, everything's bad, it's terrible. But there has to come a point where we surrender and say, well, Jesus, it's you and I want to be filled. That, that righteousness of God becomes our righteousness, that we're filled with the righteousness of God, that the record of Jesus Christ, and this is the gospel, is that we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness because we're filled, but this righteousness of God, we are filled with his righteousness and it becomes ours, that his, the record of Jesus becomes our record, that the king set up a new kingdom, he's come and established a new rule, but he says, this is how you live and this is the, the rules and the standard of it and now I put it onto you and I give it to you the apostle Paul in prison he talked about being being found in Christ in Philippians 3 he talks about it he gets to this place where he says like everything else I'm going to put everything else I'm not going to hunger and search for anything else I'm not going to hunger and search for everything everything else I consider it garbage as rubbish as trash compared to or in the yeah well, let me read it to you what is more I consider everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him he says, and then he goes on about a righteousness that's not of the law or not of himself, but a righteousness come that comes through faith in Jesus. So as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and we're not hungering and thirsting for doing more ourselves, but as we hunger and thirst after the righteousness of Christ, it is actually given to us, and we are filled with that righteousness. And we, everything else gets pushed aside. But how much do we hunger and thirst for other things? Hunger and thirst for fame, possession, wealth, all sorts of things that we can hunger and thirst for. Jesus is hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus, uh, Paul had got this stuff in balance. He'd worked it out and to put all that aside. That's nothing compared to being found in Jesus Christ and being filled by him. This is how we enter into the kingdom. We come in through these amazing things and there's a blessing that comes with this. There's a blessing. This blessed kingdom is there and for us. So that's how we enter in. And then there's these amazing four Beatitudes that follow that says that there's this amazing radical new life that is ours in when we enter into the kingdom. When we come in that way, and our righteousness is found in Christ. There's this amazing, radical, transforming life that just can overwhelm us with delight and joy and absolute blessing. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This mercifulness is this new relationship where there's this, 
there's absolute relational transformation. Whether you're a merciful person, when we're in the kingdom and we're merciful, it transforms our relationships. Transforms marriages. It transforms your relationship with your, your peers. It transforms your relationships with your children. Because you're a person who now in this radical new relationship have received mercy and know how to, to give mercy. And mercy, part of mercy is really being forgiving and being able to show forgiveness to others. In Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35, there's a story about a man who comes to his master and begs for forgiveness for a debt that he had. It was so big he couldn't pay it and he begs and says the master had pity on him and cleared his debt. Didn't mean that the debt, the debt was the debt, so it meant that the master absorbed this man's debt. He didn't clear it, it doesn't just disappear. Someone had to pay it and the master paid it himself. But that then man walks out and then another guy comes up to him who owes him money and he's cranky, he says, pay me. Shows him no mercy, gets him thrown in prison until he pays his debt. One of the other servants saw what was going on and goes and tells the original master. The master is fuming. So he goes and gets that man and throws him in prison and says, you should have forgiven. I showed you mercy. You should have shown forgiveness and mercy to others. This radical new relationship where we've been shown so much mercy by Jesus Christ transforms our relationships because we're able to show mercy to those around us. We've been forgiven so much. If you struggle to show mercy, look to Jesus and look to what he's done for you. The Good Samaritan is an example of a man who saw somebody else in need. It wasn't his problem, but he was willing to carry somebody else's burden. A person who is merciful is willing to carry the burdens of others. Jesus carried our burden of sin so that we could be part of the kingdom. So that as we've received that mercy, he asks us to be people who carry the burdens of others and maybe that's can I share some you don't know what I'm going to say I'm asking for I'm asking for a blank check to talk about our marriage no (laughs) you know like I know that sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say but Sandra is so merciful and just sort of let stuff go she's she was that she forgives me I'm the terrible one I know that I'm the one who speaks out of turn says stuff quickly shouldn't say stuff and then I have a debt to pay but Sandra she doesn't she says ah she shows me mercy and grace and forgiveness and unless we who has radically transformed new people who have got a new heart and a new life in Christ are able to forgive it allows us to forgive that is the hallmark of being a citizen of the, the kingdom that's really what I'm saying and we are when we're people who are able to forgive all our relationships are radically transformed so being part of this new kingdom means that we've got radical um, relationship tra- change that there's this relational transformation that cuts across the board I was talking to someone who works for DCP uh, last night and they told me this this is their research this is not the Christians researching it and then saying it this is the DCP which is the government department researching it and they're saying there's a link between the declining Christianity in Australia sorry religion in Australia not Christianity religion in Australia and the number of people doing foster care 
They're saying as the rate of Christianity or of religion has gone down, the rate of people willing to do foster care has also dropped. Um, and less and less people, they're, they're desperate for people to do foster care. That's interesting after our conversation this week, Danny, isn't it? Um, but yeah, um, so you see, people in the kingdom, they're merciful people. That's all I would, yeah. That's the government department's research and they would find any opportunity not to say religion is good. So I haven't seen the research, I'm just hearing what, um, what this young man told me about and he works in the department. Um, that's interesting. So being in the, the kingdom causes us to be merciful people. We should be known for our mercy for others. And as I said, if you're struggling with mercy, maybe there's just somebody that you really struggle to show forgiveness and kindness and mercy towards. Let's look to Jesus, fix our eyes on him and remind ourselves of how much mercy he showed us that we could then say, yeah, you've shown me so much, I can pass that mercy on to others. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God a heart transformation as we're ushered into the kingdom we get this brand new heart a heart a heart in the old in this time it's not just talking about our heart and our loving and our feelings it's actually talking about our house psyche how we think how we're motivated how we how we act and Proverbs 4 verse 33 tells us that uh, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. But Jesus is saying, I give you a new heart. I give you a brand new heart, a pure heart, a heart that has a changed and transformed motivations. Not a nice, not a heart that says, oh, you're a nice people, but a heart that says we're brand new people. It doesn't say, I didn't call you into the citizens of the kingdom to be nice. I called you in to be brand new, radically new, different, changed not better people, but new people. Not, not faster caterpillars, but butterflies. That we're called into a brand new way of living. That's this kingdom that we're in. It's amazing. And people with a new heart are people who grow. People with a new heart and a soft heart are people who grow. Nice people, do what's right, follow the rules. But the citizens of the kingdom, we are new people with a new heart people who are growing, each one of us. Even if, if you're as young as Alan, still growing, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Not just out. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble now, aren't I? Sorry, Effie, please forgive me. No, I should be asking Alan for forgiveness. Um, but we've got a brand new heart. What, isn't that amazing? New motivations, new ways of thinking, transformed heart. It's not just a jigging of it where we're trying to perform and be, be nice and be good. But God gives us this brand new heart that can respond with compassion and love and mercy towards others. Oh, I need to keep my heart soft. Because so often my heart can become dusty, my heart can become hard, my heart can become sloppy and lazy. But in the kingdom, I need the king to just breathe on my heart by his Holy Spirit and bring it alive and make it fresh and new that's my prayer for for each one of us blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god as a peacemaker there's a brand new purpose that our purpose in the kingdom we got a new direction of life that we would be 
peacemakers. Peacemakers between God and those who don't know Christ. Peacemakers between where there's conflict happening around us that we would come in and bring peace and reconciliation. That we would bring that into the lives of those around us. That we wouldn't be people of conflict but we would be people that speak peace. Then the final one. This is the one you're all looking forward to and you love. This is the favourite beatitude. I'm sure you've got this one written up and stuck on your toilet, toilet door. Um, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So there's this persecution, there's this false insult, there's these things that are said about us and about you that are not true, but it makes us a stronger, better person. And they'll be able to say, yeah, the insults and the things that come my way, I can actually, I can rejoice in that. I can stand up under that because of the goodness of God and who he is and what he's done for me. And I'm now in this citizenship, citizenship of heaven. So we live in a blessed kingdom. The amazing blessings that are ours. We enter in through an amazing thing. And then this new, amazing re relationship with God that we have where we've got to, we show mercy, where we're given mercy and we show mercy, where we get this brand new transformed heart. It's absolutely amazing. Our King rules and reigns. Jesus rules and reigns. He is on the throne. And we are now citizens of an amazing kingdom where he rules from. But there's still a future hope that one day he's going to make all things new. But he calls us to enter in through him and if you're trying to do it and follow Christ in your own strength realize I can't do that it comes to a plate of surrendering your walk with Jesus is about you and your strength I invite you to come to a place of surrender and say God I can't do this anymore I can't do this myself I want to surrender to you Lord and allow you to give me that new heart if you're struggling with mercy to remind yourself to see of how much mercy has been shown to you. And we all probably have people in our lives, whether it's work or wherever it is, where we have people that needed us to show them a lot of mercy because they might drive you crazy. But you can say, oh Lord, you've shown me mercy, I can show mercy. Or maybe you've got some relationships that are on the brink of breaking down. Say, Lord, I need, I need mercy in this situation so that I can see a radical change to that relationship, which starts with, with me first.